What's up, y'all? Today is Thursday, March 16th. If you guys are listening to this on Thursday, March 16th, yes, we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show tonight. So get those tickets before they sell out in this YouTube video. It's going to be freaking lit. And I uh, guess we'll cut to the next scene. But yes, we have a very exciting 420 show. And the gentleman next to me on the couch in a few minutes will be doing the Ted Jones Comedy Show on April 20th. So that's going to be super exciting, guys. But anyway, check the link in this YouTube video, and without further ado, let's get to the freaking episode. Where are you coming from, bro? Uh, just running around today, yeah. Uh, nice, the, the say what up. Show your face there. There he is, Chade Durano. What's up, dude? Is this live? No, it's not live. Oh. <laughs> it's just the intro. Oh, hell yeah, dude. We got Che Durana doing some pull-ups in the corner, dude. I don't know if anyone's ever done this before the pod. Good form. How many can you usually bang out? Uh, I think wide grip I can do ten. I do. I try to do. I do sets of five throughout the day, and I just keep. I just keep you have going. a pull-up bar too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I'll hit him. Uh, there's this thing called grease the groove. Are we getting right into it? Are yeah, you right into it? That's you, bro. <laughs> We're sharing yeah. a mic. Che, there's, what's up, dude? What's up, buddy? Yeah, it's a thing called grease the groove. You do like half of your rep max on a strength-based exercise like pull-ups or one-arm push-ups or something. And uh, you just do it throughout the day. And it's what's really that, like some Goggin shit? Uh, no, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know Pavel Tastuin? He's I don't. I should know that guy. Godfather of the kettlebell. He's like this. Like, Wait, is that the Asian guy? No, no, Russian dude. Do you know who I'm talking about, though? That Asian really guy? fit Asian guy. Pop no. him up right here, Ted Jones. The guy just, I think, only uses body weight, and he has like a stick on his back. No, no, and, no. Like has weights and super fit guy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're talking about the uh, Hawaiian. Is he a Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Hawaiian guy, and he yeah. always works out in his front yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and he's like 50-something years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I fuck. What is his name? Oh, can we swear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too okay. late. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We're I, good, bro. Okay, um, man. Che, I appreciate you coming over, man. You uh, don't know a lot about me. No, no, no. Um, I know a little bit about you just from doing research. Yeah. And you reach out to me. Yes, absolutely. And, dude, a great DM. By the way, so comics reach out all the time. You clean DM. Everything yeah. I needed to know. Yeah. If I wanted to check out a link, which I ultimately I didn't, but... You're yeah. a great guy, so I appreciate that. The yeah, no. and we have you on the uh, Ted Jones Comedy Show 420. Yes, I was just telling them, man, we're pumped. You gonna, gonna smoke before or what? Uh, maybe not before I go on stage. I'll smoke after. Yeah, yeah. See, I that's can't a get thing. High like for 420 shows, people are, are kind of. I don't know if the audience really knows what to expect. Like, yeah, yeah, are they blazed right away? And I think that takes away a lot from a comics act when they're super high. Yeah, like I'm used to not performing high, but performing for high people <laughs> sure there's uh there's a big thing in toronto because I, I i'm not yeah, i was gonna ask you're from british columbia or toronto yes, i'm from british columbia All but right. i spent like eight or nine years in toronto that's like my whole stand-up time is in toronto so i'm like a toronto comic in quotations but you spent some um, time outside of toronto what were you in mexico for a yeah, little bit yeah. i was in mexico for three years oh, uh, my last year there was when i started doing stand-up uh, and so I was doing stand up for like tourists and then I really liked it and I was like, okay, well I want to do this. So then I like sold my scuba diving gear cause I was a scuba diving instructor down there. No, what Playa del Carmen or something? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dope. All right. And then I, I went just, there once with my family and yeah. And then I, I flew over to, um, to, to Toronto to like be like, yeah, well I want to do this. I want to How did this. you get into scuba? instructing were uh, you like a big swimmer growing up uh, yeah actually i was in a lot of swimming stuff as a kid okay. um but either i went straight into it after high school i found a course through university um there's like this little college on the coast of bc 
because uh, my parents wanted me to go straight to university or straight to like post-secondary. And I hated school okay. and I had terrible grades. Uh, so I was like trying to find anything I could do that wasn't like a class. Found that it was like a no brainer. I was like, I was on this right away. That's and, dope, yeah, and it opened up doors to like travel and everything. So Danny Polishuk was on this podcast and he was t- calling it university too. It's such a Toronto thing. Yeah, call yeah. University. Cause we call it college here in, uh, well, no, in you New guys York. have university. Right, like but we, we call it college. Like, oh, we, really? We're never like, oh, we're going to university or we're going to uni. We oh, okay. always call it college. Oh, okay, so even if you're like going to the University of Arizona, you're like, I'm going to college. Yeah, dude, which is fucked up. We should say university for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So by the way, dude, my dad was the, shout out my dad. He was the captain of the NYU swim team. Oh, really? So yeah, so I got a little uh, swimming You got some swimming jeans? Yeah, yeah, dude, like backstroke, a little breaststroke. Yeah. Definitely not going to drown out there. No, no, same, same. My mom was big about getting us all in swimming because she had a fear of water. So so she was like, I don't want my kids to have Oh, she old. never knew how to swim? I think she learned later, but still was very apprehensive around water. Yeah, So man. she didn't want us to have that, um, which is like an important thing because you don't like swim. It's like riding a bike, swimming. These are things where like, if you don't know how to do them, they won't pop up often. But when <laughs> it comes time to do it, when yeah. everyone's like, hey, we're going down to the lake. Yeah, or we're like, going bike riding, riding to the lake. Yeah, and people are, and so you're like, I don't know how to ride a bike. Like that's like, ruthlessly embarrassing. I think in the city though, like not being able to swim and not being able to know how to ride a bike are fairly more common than in any other really? place. I, I would think, think so. Cause like I, I haven't started here just based on like kind of the shows I do most frequently. Like I'm, I'm in Brooklyn a lot for shows. Um, so the travel time via train versus via bike is very similar. So there's uh-huh. no reason for me to get a bike really. Right. Um, but in Toronto, I rode a bike for like three years or four years everywhere. Like I was on and a you bike. And you just chain it up to the side. Yeah. You just lock it up. I got yeah. my back, back tire stolen a couple times. All just right. fucking, that's how it goes. True Toronto. Oh yeah, man. I love riding a bike is fucking sick. It's a great workout. And it's also just a gr- the best means that's of transportation in the city. Oh, water. Yeah. Uh, electric bike. No, fuck that. Dude, that's uh, what I got into, I think, within like the last five months. So I was born and raised in New York, and I never was a city bike guy. I mean, it only really came out probably like, I don't know, like 10 years ago where yeah. people were actually starting to really use the bike. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies, like one night, was like, all right, dude, let's take the electric bike over there. I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Took it. And then for like two months, I was addicted to it. Yeah. yeah just yeah. riding the bike. Just the thrill of flying by yourself. It's like, it reminds me of skiing a little bit. Yeah, Obviously yeah. slower, but just super smooth to the destination. But yeah. I'm a huge walker just being in New York. Yeah, walking in New York is excellent. The train system here is excellent. And because yes. it's so good and so quick, um, you're, it's, it makes a, a perfect sense to take the train. There's a lot of situations where taking the train is way faster than riding a bike. Yeah. Especially if you're like going uptown or something. There's like a couple, if I start getting more spots in the village, because I live in the East Village, getting to the West Village, same time walking, same time train. Cause I got to walk up to the L or walk down to the, the F or something like that and then train over. So it makes, so I would get a bike for that. Cause it's like five to 10 minutes on a bike. Do you ever skateboard? No, I can't skateboard. I would okay. love to. Yeah, I used to skateboard to middle school. It's like yeah. three blocks, and I learned how to ollie, but like kickflip was out of my reach. Yeah, never yeah. went down the half pipe. Yeah, just too freaking scary. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> what are you saying? But just in terms of transportation, it's so convenient. Yeah, dude. You like you pick it up, and you're cool. As shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. But like the scariest thing, I don't know how people ride those penny boards. Oh, with those it's little like, little it, guys, dude. Yeah. If you have a size ten foot, like yeah. you can't put two no, feet on there. Not at it's all. Fuck, yeah, dude. Yeah. All right, man. So let's talk about your journey coming to New York. See, so you got some dates in Miami at the. Miami 
Miami Improv. Yes, I am. Uh, have you performed there yet? No, no, it's my first okay, time going so, to Miami. Okay, uh, so first time going to Miami? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're freaking performing? Yeah. Dope, dude. So well, my, not 100% true. I did go down there when I was in um, West Palm Beach. I went down for like a day to do some podcasts, but I didn't Like really spending get... some time there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my friend Hannah Burner did Miami Improv about a year ago mm-hmm. to this day. And I opened for her. And then I guess like two weeks ago, she sold out like four shows. Yeah, yeah, So uh, great venue down there. And then also Miami, I think, needs more comedy, man. They yeah. really only have the improv. And yeah. then besides that, like the next step up is like the... I guess the, what was it, the F, FTX Arena. Yeah, something like yeah, that. yeah. So they definitely need more comedy down there, but you're super pumped to uh, get down there? I am pumped. I am pumped. In terms of our weekends, like every weekend's been selling super well, everything. Dope, but the Miami. Did you have to like add another show too? No, no, not not to this one. Miami okay. isn't selling well. That's what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, Miami. So, well, I'm sure the, that's like the one stop on your tour that you're. Yeah, not, everything else. Right? Like I was just in Rhode Island the whole weekend was sold out. Let's like, go. Yeah, it's, what, do you th- what do you think that is? Just the comedy town or what? Uh, I think this. This upcoming weekend, it is spring break. It is um, what's it called? Uh, well, next week Miami Music Week, right? My, okay, I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, it's Miami. And, and what were you gonna say? And Saint. it's St. Patrick's Day. Oh shit! Uh, and there's a big UFC fight on as well. The uh, uh, Usman Edwards rematch is on. There's like several huge events going on simultaneously, including your show. Hey, include my show is probably go, at the bottom no. of the list of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure not, dude. Dude, did you see them? Um, speaking of fighting, what Ryan Garcia and that other guy is fighting? I'm not really a boxing guy, but you oh, follow yeah. it at all? Ryan Garcia is fighting. Uh, uh, Tank, um, what's his name? Tank. Yeah, Garcia? No, uh, no, no. He doesn't have the same name as him. What am I talking about? Yeah, Tank. Yeah. Fuck, I forget that. I forget yeah, yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. I just, Something I always like know him as Tank. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, they are. Oh, Javante Davis, I think his name is. That's Devante? Devante. Gervante. Is it Javante? It's with a G. Okay. Sure. Javante <laughs> Davis. <laughs> Tank so Davis. Yeah, sorry. That popped into my head there. Um, yeah, I'm, I've seen that. That's kind of like the biggest super fight we've had in boxing in a long time like in terms of like this is going to be on par with like uh what's his name wilder fury three right 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 or two three they did two and three yeah but I, it's going to be on par with there uh and i i, I got uh, davis on this one yeah 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 i don't i think that ryan garcia kid i mean he's just like been on my instagram for years oh so yeah i yeah. just always know about his fast hands he's That's really the only thing i know about he him. is the biggest social media boxer yeah like, and he's he like good person. looking too yeah. you know but he's also a legit boxer right, right, like he sure. like obviously there's like jake paul and them doing the whole boxing thing Hell yeah and <laughs> yeah they're they're selling tickets but yeah dude but he's not like uh He's he's not the cat, same caliber of fighter. And you see Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather are going to be partnering, like doing a tag team with influencers. I, I, is that uh, official? I, I heard I that was rumored. I don't know. I don't know. I think from, from the post I saw it looked yeah. official, but you never know. I think I saw it on Worldstar, and Worldstar is actually... <laughs> yeah, dude. In terms of news, they're, they're, they're pretty on top yeah. of it. They're pretty big they've, al- they've always been on top of it. I feel yeah. like there's never really been backlash against Worldstar as there has been on like a against TMZ. Like yeah. They're the first people to put like Kobe Bryant died in a uh, helicopter crash like yeah. before Vanessa Bryant even knew. Yeah. So World Stars, I think, been, been no, on the World Stars list. very on top of it. Yeah, um, dude. But yeah, it was going to be, what's his name? Floyd Mayweather's teaming up with KSI. Yeah. And then and Manny then the Pacquiao's one, with Salt Poppy. Yes. Who yeah. the fuck is Salt Poppy? So is like Salt Days Boy? No, 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 no. So Salt Poppy is like his own influencer and he's had like a pretty interesting journey. He was like overweight before and then he got in shape and he's been boxing kind of like kicking guys asses uh, and through that has like grown a lot. Uh, I would say he's not as big as like KSI and them, but he still has like a pretty hardcore cult following. He's a really funny guy as well. Interesting. So when did you come to New York? 
Uh, I Is it came recently. Yeah, yeah. I've only been here like six months. And how's like, it been, man? Uh, it's been great. It's been great. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been like definitely a transition uh, because coming from Toronto, I loved Toronto. Toronto's like the best city I've ever lived in, uh, and also like in terms of comedy, I, I could do whatever I wanted in Toronto. Like I could walk into a, a, a mic and be like, "Hey, can you put me on quick?" I could book, get booked on any show. Like I I hit the ceiling. Yeah, there. I was gonna ask. If yeah, the ceiling. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a very in all Canadian entertainment there's like a mirage that if you're great in canada you can have a similar career to what you can do in america but we're looking at two like even though we're neighbors in terms of like what is a you're able to accomplish it's not even comparable especially in the entertainment industry like america has the largest entertainment industry in the world maybe like dwarfed by only like india or something because they have a larger population Hollywood, but canada I don't even know if it's in the top 10 entertainment industries. Like it's so small. It's a 10th of the population. All of our stuff is like neutered and dwarfed. We don't even respect our own content that we make. Uh, and then when we do try to make something edgy or interesting, usually our industry won't pick it up unless America takes interest or unless someone does some independent thing like, you know, Letterkenny. No, Letter I've seen. I've heard that name. Maybe Letterkenny is a big show in Canada, but they had to create it as like a popular YouTube channel first before anyone would look at it. Oh, Trailer Park Boys is something very similar, yes. where like the first season was like done completely independent, and then they then they were able to sell it and it turned into this huge thing. They rarely take a chance on anything risky, and it just kind of it, it, it's very um, uh, discouraging to try and create your career over there. So that's why so many people leave. Um, but then coming over to New York, I went from being like a 15 to 20 show a week comic to like doing three shows a week if I was lucky. Because definitely. You mean um, in, in New York doing three shows? Yes, yes. Um, because I did know some a couple of their comics who had come over who were like, uh, when you come here, you don't do open mics. You don't. You're a, you're a headlining comedian. You don't do mics. So you're going to have to like go through this growing pain period of like getting in with these rooms and meeting these people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and now I've moved through that and I think I've moved through that a lot faster than a lot of other comics would because I was able to get like the guys who I knew out here were able to open some doors for me. Also, I had the credits. Also, I had the reps like I came I moved to uh, New York and within I want to say uh, let's say within three months I was repped by WME and uh, I had already completed like half an, an American tour. So then I could leverage that into spots. And also open mics are so different than in every other city besides New York. Yeah. You know, like you go to an open mic in Toronto, what, there's probably like 50 people there, right? In no, the audience? No, 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 no. Oh, no? No, we have a, I know what you're talking about because there are those smaller scenes where an open mic actually has an audience. Yeah. Toronto is very comparable in New York in that style. Like obviously everything New York has, Toronto has less of, but we have the only comedian open mics where you just sit there and you wait to do your turn and it's Everybody's a dead on room. on the phone. Right? Yeah, no one gives a fuck about watching. <laughs> I always yeah. appreciated those rooms coming up though because I was a hustler and I would get to those shows first. So I would be like on within the first like uh, one to 10 comics, depending on how early I got there. Uh, and then when you're on that early, you can treat that show like an audience because they, the comics still have the attention span and the yeah, energy. And definitely. Order. Bro. Yeah. So definitely. I, I always appreciated those rooms coming up. Now I don't have to do them, which I'm even more appreciative for. Yeah. I, th I think initially in New York, it's the open mics and the bringer shows. And, yeah. and like you're saying to go, to be like one of the first five comics is ideal in those situations because the bringer shows you figure there are 20 comics yeah. the first 10 comics will go and then their audience will leave so by the time you go at the end like yeah. there's a quarter of the audience exactly initially. yeah so you went from mexico 
to Toronto or you came to New York? How did you build an audience coming from Toronto and then not really, I guess, planting yourself in New York full time? Like, how was that? So, yeah, I was in Toronto for like eight or nine years and it was all basically just how how old are you at that? uh, I think I was 22 when I moved to Toronto. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm 30 now. So I would have been there for like eight years. Uh, and I just moved there and started grinding shows immediately. Like I, when I moved there, I was actually homeless. Uh, I moved there. I like sold my scuba diving gear so I could have a little bit of scratch. By the time I got to downtown Toronto, I had, uh, like 25 bucks and I went to, uh, yeah, I went to a Starbucks and I had this little shitty laptop and I Googled Toronto homeless shelters. Bro. Yeah. Did and you then, at least like get a lifetime fitness membership or something no, no, to nothing, shower? Nothing. I, I went to uh I found a youth shelter close by called Covenant House. They work with like anyone who's like sixteen to twenty four. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then I went there and they had no beds. And they're like, We can feed you, but you gotta go to a men's shelter. And then as I was waiting for uh, like as I was eating, a, a person showed up who was um who was supposed to stay there. And he was drunk and they have a zero tolerance policy on like any substance use. So there, he wasn't allowed to sleep there. And so then I got a bed. So it like immediately happened like that. And then I stayed there for like six months or so. Maybe like, no, I stayed there for like four months. And then I stayed in like intermediate housing, which was like, it was like the shelter, but you could come and go as you pleased. Uh, and you had your own room and everything. I stayed there for two months and then I moved into like my own house with like comics and stuff. Like, How much time did you spend during the day at the homeless shelter? Is that just like you go back and you sleep for eight hours and then leave as soon as you're up? Yeah. Well, to be fair, um, this was, this place was almost like a, a hotel. It was like, in terms of like where you could stay as a shelter, it was the nicest, cleanest, like they fed you three times a day. You, uh, eventually I did get my own room at the first place. Like the, everything was very like, uh, organized. The people who worked with you there were super kind, super helpful. Uh, like all the social workers and everything. Uh, it was, the, it was the best case scenario that could have happened to me because I was so dead broke in Mexico. And I was like, well, I want to move and do this. And all I have is a little bit of money for selling my gear. Um, but I was like, I know, uh, I know I won't die in Canada is basically what, what was going through my head. I was like, they don't let you die in Canada. Even if I move to Canada, I'm homeless. They'll be honest. Especially like being from Canada. Yeah. I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Where were you living in Mexico? On the beach? No, I was in Playa del Carmen. I had an apartment I was renting, but it was just like uh, I had, I was working as a scuba diving instructor and then I switched and I was working in a call center for like a year and then the call center folded and they never did my paperwork. Um, so I had like, I switched to like selling tours. So I basically moved from job to job where I was making less and less money and then I had no visa. So then when I went to trying to apply for a visa, they gave me this like card that was like, you need to leave the country in 20 days, like you're getting deported. Um, and they're like, if you stay, like, as long as I left, it was fine. I right. Like, but if they're like, if you stay, obviously you'll be like banned from Mexico for 10 years or whatever. Did you go to Mexico from Canada? Cause you couldn't get into the U S um, no, no. Oh, what do you mean? Like when you moved to Mexico, where were you living before? I was living in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So but you weren't, were you allowed to come to the U S like why, why Mexico? Oh, well, that's just where there was a job. I was a scuba diving instructor. I was 19 years old. In, to, in Canada, you in were a scuba Canada. diving yeah. instructor? So I got this scuba diving instructor certificate through university. Would you be in the pool and shit with your tanks? You do, well, you do pool training and then you do ocean training. So I did like all cold water diving oh, in a dry all suit. All right, yeah. yeah. So you and prepare you for the fucking life. Yeah, and Pacific. <laughs> the cold water training. Uh, Northwest uh, Pacific diving is actually gorgeous. It's like the, the, you have to be very careful. 
careful about the diving because the the foundation of coral the and shit not coral though like ground is very silty so like if you kick stuff up the visibility goes down really quickly um but the what you can see the marine life and stuff is amazing i saw this one time i saw this lion's mane jellyfish mm. which is like a jellyfish literally it's bigger <laughs> than i could put my arms around and it had tentacles going for like 30 feet it was this oh. one, yeah it was looked like this massive like church bell or something it if, was if that thing stings you is it like the same level as regular uh, jellyfish. Uh, I know it. it I think it is uh, like, venomous, like SpongeBob type. I don't know if you saw that episode. Well, I've seen a lot of SpongeBob. Well, it was just fucking. I think when they just... invade his house and they have the rave, <laughs> dude. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. Then there's a huge, uh, huge there's jellyfish jelly, with tentacles. Yeah, yeah the I I never back. got stung by it, but I'm sure if it stung you, it would hurt oh, quite right, a bit. Right, right. But I I don't. It's not like a life or death scenario. You probably just get peed on, like they say. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I I when I finished my certificate, I I sent out resumes to all these different dive centers. Uh, Mexico is all the, over the world. All over the world. Yeah. Mexico is the cheapest flight and the best paying job. Uh, so then I go on a flight, uh, zip down there, live there for three years, uh, found stand up, was like, I love this. Moved to uh, Toronto, was broke, had nothing. Uh, but I was very happy the entire time I was in the shelter. I remember my dad coming to visit me um, when I was down there and we spent some time together. And he went home and my uncle told me after when they talked, my dad cried and he was like, he's going through the struggle and I went through a struggle and I moved to Canada and he has to do the same and blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow, dude. But in my head, I never, I was ecstatic. I, for the first time ever in my life, I felt like I had purpose. I because like you I, were living alone and doing what you loved? Yeah, like I, I moved to a city to chase a thing that I was extremely passionate about. I was having success at it. I was uh, uh, driven. I had never had purpose before. I never had a reason to get up in the morning and go do something. And now I did, and it was felt incredible. Um, like I've said this uh, on podcasts before and to tons of people, but when I started doing stand-up, I remember something my dad told me. I was a horrible student, and he was like, every day you come home from school, you put your backpack in the corner, and you get C's. Imagine who you could be if you tried. And so when I started doing stand-up, I was like, I'm actually going to put effort into this. I haven't put, I've lived my entire life coasting and I've never put effort into anything. And so then I did. And, I, and then the results just started coming. Like I was like, I know I can be mediocre with no effort. If I actually push myself, there's a chance I could be great at something. Well said by him for sure. Cause yeah. I, so I, um, I worked at my dad's company, my dad's real estate company for six and a half years before I started to do stand-up full time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man, I, Felt like I was coasting. I felt like I wasn't really passionate about what I was doing. I was good at it because yeah. I had been doing it for so many years. And in high school, I had a ton of tutors trying to help me out. I ended up playing college tennis at UConn, which is a Division One program, but it was a lower level program. Yeah. And I just had always felt like I never really gave anything my full all until I started doing stand up. Yeah. So I, I definitely know what you're uh, what you're talking about, man. That's yeah. crazy. That's yeah, freaking nuts. No, it's um, it, it it's nice to have a purpose, to something to get up to. But that that was like the whole how I moved from one to the next, and then I after yeah after six months in Toronto, I was living in like a shitty comedian house. This house is actually legendary. It's a legendary. It comic was like house. before the content house, oh, like Bryce Hall and shit. Oh, dude, this is like <laughs> this is way before a content house. This is fucking. This was a house. Uh, it was what was it? Thir Thirteen Whitaker. It was it's downtown Toronto. Like the location's nuts. This is like living in like yeah the East Village or the West Village or something like that. But four hundred dollars a month for rent. Uh, well, but it was for four hundred times thirteen. 
Uh, what do you like mean? everybody else was paying four hundred dollars, or the whole rent of the oh, whole no, place. Oh no, the whole yeah, yeah. So it was it there was uh, four people living there. We each paid four hundred bucks. Okay, wow. But it's like Crazy. right downtown Toronto. The place was a shithole. It was run down. Uh, and <laughs> like, like no heat. Uh, no, there was heat and okay, shit. Okay. And when I left, it was like real grimy. I remember there was a chicken figure next to the fridge that was there when I moved in, and it was there when I moved out. <laughs> 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 yeah it Wait, was, you were there for a few months though i was there for six months yeah. nobody ate it well it was just it was like covered in spider webs and i don't even think it was cooked <laughs> like i think it had fallen out of the bag when someone to cook chicken figures and it was just i, I, <laughs> know, was it. I had no idea how long it had been any there. comics in there that we'd know maybe uh i don't th- oh dave mahesh dave mahesh dave oh my god we love dave yeah dave mahesh he wasn't there when i lived there That's but he lived there way before i did it was probably much nicer when wow. he lived there okay but like 20 years of comics had lived there. Comics lived there after I moved so out. So what, the guy who owns the uh, building was like a comic or what? Nah, the a guy who owned the building was this old uh, Portuguese guy named Armando. And Armando owned a few different properties. He would never raise the rent. He didn't give a fuck. He just wanted his rent and to go home. That's it. He didn't care. He, so the comics were just reliable to pay rent. And I guess some comics had moved in and just grandfathered the room yeah, over and over yeah, and over again. Right. He had two different properties maybe three but two for sure that were filled with comics like the same thing four comics in in these townhouses uh and um uh, he would just show up then when i lived there the guy who was like the elder comic was this guy dan and he would come in and be like daniel daniel he would yell daniel dan would come give him the rent and then sometimes whoever paid the rent i never got to do this but they would take you back he would take you back to the fucking uh to his place and give you like wine that he makes and it was like people would say it would get you fucked it was like this <laughs> it's like prison wine yeah it was like wine that he was making in his basement <laughs> was he slumlord or no like no. everybody loved him everyone loved him he was fine he didn't give a shit if you ever laid on rent he would just be like ah come on and then you would get pay him later like he but yeah he he never raised the rent man he never like the every other place in that area say if our entire thing for our our building was like 1200 yeah. everything else was probably like 25 to 3000 for the like maybe more um but then so i moved out then let's say like two years later maybe more than that it must have been like three or four years later um armando died how uh, old is he? Uh, he was in his late seventies, so like maybe close to eighty or something. He was deaf, uh, but yeah, Armando died, and then so Armando's kids got these properties. Now they got, of course, that's how it works. Um, but immediately they were like, oh, "We're sitting on these properties that are like million dollars each." This is downtown Toronto, probably real at least. Estate. Yeah, like I think one because it was a teardown, it sold for like, uh, like eight hundred thousand. The one that I was in. But so what ended up happening is like we're selling these we're selling these. so then all these comics are going to be like getting kicked out which is like a bummer but hey it's fucking it's how life works in in uh, when you're in the renters market in, uh, in real estate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what was a beautiful thing about it was all these different generations of comics who had lived there for the past like 20 years. They're like, okay, well, no we're way have they like, bought it. No, they didn't. Oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool. Yeah, dude. That would have been cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a, a huge eviction party. So different gens of comics from like oh, the past go. 20 years. Like all Blue show, State. Yeah, they all show up at this house and we're like partying. I remember that night I got fucked. I got like, I went there with like a Mickey and I was like, uh, what's you, a Mickey? A Mickey. Oh shit. What is a Mickey in America? It's like a little bottle of booze. Like it's okay. So it's one of those like, like half a liter. Ones. Yeah. It's like less than a, less than a two, six, less than a fifth. I don't know. I don't fifth know. It's like. 
That's yeah. the thing, bro. We don't have the same metric system. No. So we don't know what the shit we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, 1.75 It looks like a like, flask. Okay, okay. It looks like a okay, flask. I, so I think we're think of like a time. flask or a little more. I went there with that, and I'm like, this this is enough for like me to have Probably a few like drinks. 10 shots. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I can make a few drinks, maybe share a little bit, and I'm good. <laughs> I'm not going to get too fucked up tonight. I had my first shift at this bar that I had just got a job at the next day. Uh, next morning. So I was like, okay. Next morning? Next morning. I was like, I'm not going to get too fucked up. Yeah. And so we're partying. We're having just such a good time. The fucking Coke's coming out. Everyone's getting Let's fucked. Go. And then I'm, I'm, me and this girl are talking, this comic I know, and she was like, do you want to get dial a bottle? And I was like, fuck yeah. So we like order a bottle from like a bottle delivery service. A guy shows up in a van. I get fucking shit housed. I get like so fucked up. I remember I was seeing a girl at the time. Not the girl that wanted to drink with you? No, no, no. This other girl. No, she was just a buddy. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the no, this other girl who I was seeing, she, uh, uh, no one knew we were seeing each other because she was, we were both comics and we were trying to keep it on the DL. As you gotta. As you gotta. Um, and I remember she was like, she brought her friend and she was kind of getting like really fucked up. And I was like trying to help her, but also trying to be on the sly. Like, oh. Are you okay? Like, uh, can I give you a bleep out her name too? <laughs> okay, I'll bleep it out. Bleep it out. I got you. I got you. Uh, I was like, and her friend was like, she's she was like doing the whole like super feminist thing. She's fine. She doesn't need help. She doesn't need a guy. Like all this stuff. And she's, or I don't think her friend knows we're dating either. So I'm trying to be like, I'm here to help. Like, like, can you like, I'm not right, just but some she fucking. She thinks you're being the creepy guy. Yeah, and she, I, yeah, and I'm like, and she's like, oh, and she's like kind of drunk and shit right now and and eventually this girl's like it's whatever i was like hey you take care of her then and i just fucking took yeah, off dude. i was like literally bro. i was like i'm having the night of my life and i did i had a fucking great night that night and i showed up at, my, at that shift the next day but it was super late i woke up with my coat and boots still on <laughs> lights yeah. on yeah, yeah. on. yeah fucking on the ground like i like my boots were on the ground and i was laying back with my coat on so like i had sitting down laying back and then just fucking was out. Did you have any low points being homeless and then living in this shitty creator house? Like it, it sounds uh, like once you found your passion, you kind of were like onward, upward, no matter how shitty it was. Yeah, no, I've always been an extremely positive person. I've I've said this before, and I've I've never been depressed, and I'm very grateful for that. Do you, um, you work out a lot? Uh, I try to stay fit. Yeah, you, know, you Do you know, think like, that has any uh, correlation to it? Um, yeah, I think I've been very health focused for a long time in Mexico was actually when I, I'm, there's this guy, the guy who actually told me to sell my dive gear and move to Mexico. He was like, he didn't say wait, sell wait, you. move to Mexico. You mean move moved to, to, sorry, Toronto. Moved to Toronto. Yeah. But the guy who told me, he said, if I was, he, this was, this guy was like a, almost like a mentor to me. His name was Dave. Uh, and me and Dave both worked at the call center together. I have been trying to get a hold of him for years and he's like very like incognito. He's, he's, he's a, he has a Facebook though. No, no. Dave, Facebook. hit up your boy, check. Come does, on though. He he, gotta uh, get to, he's got to get to his show. He had an email and I emailed him once. I was like, yo, Dave, yo, thank you for all your help. And he's like, oh, I'm surprised you remember the email because he just told me it. And then I remembered it. Like Dave at Gmail. And then I tried to message him again. And then he uh, he never responded. He was very like, uh, oh, he, he was a little conspiracy theory and stuff. Okay. So like, he was like trying to never be tracked and that kind of oh, stuff. Damn. But if you went back to Playa del Carmen, you think you could find him? No, I don't think so. I think he's gone now. Um, How old is he? He was uh, in his 40s, I think, in his 40s. Or no maybe. family, no wife. He he had a he had a he was divorced uh, from a lady, um, but he used to be like a big uh, timeshare sales guy or something like that. But he was very into health and fitness, and like introduced me to like David Wolf and these different like vegan health people, nutrition I'm vegan, people. By the way. Oh, you're 100%, vegan? Percent. Yeah. I'm not vegan, but I tried it for a bit, but it wasn't for me. Um, but uh, just the idea of like micronutrients, spirulina, this kind of stuff. I heard about all these things that are very commonplace in nutrition from the first time from Dave. Like I want to say like six seven years ago. 
um, maybe not that. Wait, no, I was in Mexico. So it would have been like 10 years ago. Um, so he like coconut oil, all that stuff. But he was like, chase your dream. Um, I remember telling him I would stay late at the call center and watch comedy on the computers there just to be like, just drink it in, drink like it in. new YouTube stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right when when it all, first came out. Exactly. And, um, uh, he was like, Oh, you want to do this? Okay. <coughs> I'm going to, he was like, Oh, I'll watch some of it. And he came to the office the next day and then we're hanging out, we're talking again. And he was like, um, he was like, oh, yeah, uh, you, sh you should absolutely go and do this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'll go and I'll give it like a few years. And if it doesn't work out, then um, then it's like whatever. And he was like, no, 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 you either are or are not a comedian. These guys aren't like doing this part time or it's their job. This is who they are. And I, he had watched this for like an afternoon and understood that I had I didn't even know what he meant at the time. I understand that now. I understand like that your uh, your comedian is it's like your friends it's your life it's the way you perceive the world it's your how you express yourself jokes and your form of creation and, and how you communicate is it's everything it's all encompassing to who you are it's a, it's a defining feature beyond uh, an occupation um, and but yeah he was a big mentor to me to help me see the vision of of moving. And it's so funny. He wasn't even in the industry. He was just some guy. That He's he just some with. guy. He, like, had some inspiring shit to say. He was smart. He was a smart guy and he right. could see, he saw how people operated and how people interacted and could understand people. Well, that's why he was a good salesman. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was uh, that. I can't even remember how we got on this point. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Where were you? March, 2020. March 2020. Yeah, like when shit uh shit shut down. Oh, oh, the the fucking yeah, the uh, fucking yeah, like three years ago. Dude. Yeah, and dude, you, I let me just say, you guys had it a lot better than we did on Ontario. Ontario had the longest lockdown in Canada, and Canada had like a two and a half times longer lockdown than all of America. Wow. Yeah. So we, uh, I was in Toronto. The lockdown happened. I remember uh, I was Were you like, living in that house. Uh, no, no, no. I was in. I had moved two or three times by this point. Uh, I was living in a house with two other people. Um, and that hit and I was like, fuck, well, what are we going to do? Like I, anything lined up at that particular time? Like shows? Oh yeah, I had a bunch of shows books, like just, just shows around Toronto, something, nothing too intense. Um, and, and you got to understand at this point, I had been working for a YouTube channel for about a year and a half. Canadian YouTube channel? Canadian YouTube channel. I mean, was it that long I'd been working for them? Maybe a year at this point. Uh, it was called Most Amazing Top 10. They did top 10 lists. I was a scripter and and uh, host for them. Uh, and through that, because they had a large following, um, the, I had accumulated about 50K on Instagram. That was my entire following at that point. Uh, and I had never made a TikTok. I think I had posted some tour stuff on TikTok, but never tried to create anything around that realm. Uh, and then it was like, yeah, that all that stuff hit. I assumed this was going to be short. Uh, I was like, at first, I'm like, I'm a grinding stand-up comic first. A lot of guys think I'm like a TikTok guy who started stand-up. I've been doing stand for 10 years and like grinding for 10 years. You know, I think that's a common perception now because a lot of people who have a huge following on TikTok, that usually comes first. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. Just because people would have started it three years ago, they get 
you know, millions of followers or maybe not as many as you, but they'll get a million followers and then they're uh, at different shows in New York and you're like, yeah. oh, well, their stand-up's not as great as their TikTok page. Yeah. You know, stuff, stuff like that. Um, so I have to kind of debunk that everywhere. Yeah, I go. dude. Um, because obviously <laughs> you understand the the pride comics have and the dis disgust we like, have. Oh, for when, like, when did Chase start comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Um, so... I yeah, I was like, you, dude, you got the JFLs from 2017. Bro. Exactly. I always say, I make that very clear. <laughs> I did just watch in 2017. So I did in 2017. Yeah, I've been doing dude, this for a while. Yeah, kids are legit. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I was just like, well, this isn't going to be too long. And I really enjoyed the first like three months of it. Being forced not to do stand-up, being forced to take a break. Yeah. It was actually really fucking nice. I worked through the whole pandemic because this YouTube channel, we moved to, to work from home. So we're working, scripting and doing everything from home. Wow. Uh, and so I was like still working. How uh, are you getting paid uh, by them, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, they just, just on a weekly basis? Uh, I think bi-weekly. Yeah, it was, it was just like a regular like Salary, nine to okay. five. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and it, I was like really enjoying it. And then when it went through the summer and they were outside doing stand up again, then it went back into the winter. I was like, and every, like things were shut down in Ontario. You couldn't sit in a restaurant. You couldn't, uh, like you, there was when the patio season was going, it was good. But then after the, you couldn't sit on a patio anymore, you could not sit down in a restaurant. You take out was your only option. Yeah. You couldn't be in a house with more than like whatever, four people or some shit. It was super fucking strict there. So we, so I was like, this fucking sucks. And, uh, the, some of the surrounding cities around Toronto were a little bit more lenient. So we managed to book a weekend at a comedy club in Kingston, which is like three hours outside of Toronto. We do the shows there. And one of my buddies was filming TikToks and he wasn't getting anything crazy. He was getting like 3000 views or something, but I was seeing the like 3000 views. I'm like, we just did a show at this club. There was like 150 people there. I would have to do 20 shows here with different audience members every night for, uh, for 3,000 people to see me. So I was like, okay, well, it's kind of a no-brainer. And I also saw the effort it took to make, take a, make a TikTok, which is like uh, the beauty of TikTok. And I think meme culture also helped create this was there was like there memes for a while were like very Photoshop perfect. And then there was this trend in memes where it was, they were like shitty where they looked like they were just thrown together and the comedy was still there. That was part of the comedy. And then I think people started to break away from the idea of this, everything needs polish. And it's about what the content is, if the core of it is entertaining. And I think TikTok embodied that in the biggest way where you had people like shooting from weird angles on their phone with bad lighting, but what they were saying or the situation they were in or what was going on, if it was low quality or not, it was grasping. And that, and that made me realize, oh, I can do this right on my phone. I don't need to learn how to make a YouTube channel and edit on all this shit. I can just do this. So I wasn't doing stand-up. Well, we'd had this weekend. We went back to the city. You're not doing stand-up again. I was working with a couple people uh, in this YouTube channel. Some of them were younger. Some of them knew TikTok a little bit. I asked them a bunch of, bunch of questions about like, what are the genres? What can I do? I just kind of want to talk shit. And they're like, okay, stitches, mere rants, duets. This is your realm. This is where you'll do the best. And, and was this right around, this is March 2020 when you were right around like getting into TikTok? No, by this point we have gone through the summer, we're back into the winter. November was when we had the dates at the club. So this is like probably going into December, I'm starting to study. Almost 2021. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I... Uh, uh, I started studying as much as I would be like, hey, I'm going to spend an hour a day making content. I want to be able to make six videos uh, in an hour. 
Um, and that was based on what I had studied. And I was like, also, I'm going to spend an hour a day studying like vi YouTube videos of people being like, this is the algorithm. This is how many times you should post. Posting times. This is so how you get better at this. Da, 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 da. Well, Mr. B shit. Yes. So I would study the shit out of TikTok. And the biggest thing that I saw all these different gurus saying was that you need a call to action. You see call to actions on YouTube all the time. You see call to actions like um, fucking uh, like and subscribe. Uh, please smash that like button if you like what you're seeing, blah, 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 all that shit. And everyone was like, the biggest mistake people make on TikTok is no one does a call to action. And so then I was like, all right, well, we've got to work on a call to action. I think the first thing I said was follow me for stupid content no one gives a shit about. And that was like on one of my first videos that blow up and I kept kind of playing around with it. Then I took it away for a bit and then I brought it back. And then that's how I worked into follow me, you fucking idiots. Follow me, you fucking idiots was just me trying to come up with a clever call to action that was direct, easy, quick. And it turned into like this whole catchphrase and everything that like people know me for. People come up to me, oh, you're the follow me, you fucking idiots guy. Which I think is like the, f and also uh, a friend of mine was reading the book Icons. Have you ever heard of that book? No. What is it, like a Charles Icon book? It's a, it's a book about a bunch of famous people from history and what makes them icons. And he told me a brief thing about it. He's like, oh, they all have uh, something that, like a define, a lot of them have a defining line that you know them for. Like Martin Luther King, I have a dream. I have a dream speech is very long, but he says I have a dream like 30 times in the speech. You have like Snoop Dogg for shizzle. You have like all these different people who have something that they were known for before their, maybe before their right, name. Interesting. And so that stuck in my head was like, I get a catchphrase. Okay, like uh, a tagline. So if I can have a tagline, there's also a call to action. I can mix those two things together. I'm killing two birds with one stone. Was there one post that hit and you were like, all right, this is the move. I gotta, I gotta really focus fully on TikTok. Yeah. After uh, I had been grinding it for a bit, uh, there was uh, the first one that really uh, blew up was it was this video where it's like one white chick and she's in a bathroom and there's like 12 black dudes. We pop her. it up right here. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to find out very quickly the pecking order of that friend group, who the top dog is, for sure. Also, you're going to find out who can perform under pressure. <laughs> you're there, all your boys' dicks are out, everyone's trying to get hard at the same time. There's not enough holes to go around. Do you have what it takes to pull off the job? And guys, make sure you follow me for more dumb bullshit commentary that no one gives a fuck about. <laughs> I had seen several people react to this video and all the reactions were like, she's going to get a train. <laughs> da, da, da. Every reaction was that. My clean man thought. Yeah. So I was like, well, okay, I'm going to, I want to react to this. I think it's funny, but I'm what's i want a more you i didn't think i want a more unique perspective i was just like i had a more unique perspective when i watched the video this i didn't think about her getting a train run on her that's not what i thought about i was like oh you're like if you're in this situation you're gonna find out who the top dog in your friend group is like you're gonna like what like are you going last or are you going first you're gonna figure out where you stand <laughs> it's like the open mic yes <laughs> and you're also gonna find out if you have what it takes to perform under pressure. Do you have what it takes to get the job done? I was, I, I, what, I didn't say that word for word, but that was, it was that video that did like 3 million views or something. And people I knew were sending it to my, like, or people I knew were telling me that my friend sent this to me. And I was like, okay, now just like keep hammering it, keep hammering it. Because I had done the, it was like several pieces coming together. I had done stand up for this point at like seven years. Um, and then I 
uh, I took an improv acting class once to help me audition better for commercials because it was booking a fair amount of commercials and that was really supplementing my income. So I wanted to get better at that. And the improv acting class taught me how to, it was by Kate Ashby, by the way, if anyone is in Toronto and wants a sick improv acting class, she does all word of mouth and she sold out all the time. Uh, she's incredible. Uh, that taught me not to be embarrassed when you're in these uh, auditions because I would always feel embarrassed because you feel stupid. They're like, oh, pretend you're opening a box and you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but it also taught me to trust my first thought, which helps you a ton with like crowd work with, uh, improv, all that kind of stuff. So then when I was working for the YouTube channel, there were several different channels that this, uh, guy owned with some of which were reaction channels. They put me on the reaction channel and I was killing it. Cause I'm like, I have, this is, I have huge comedy chops compared to a lot of these other hosts. I've been training for this. So then all those the pieces of doing stand up, trusting your first thought all coming together. Now I'm reacting to clips. I was doing so well that they gave me my own reaction channel. So I was doing this all the time. Then I got this skills like I'm going to co-op this, bring this over to my TikTok. And that's how like I was able to just start watching videos, have an idea of what I should think about it. Trust that first thought, run with it and just keep that going over and over and over and over again and start cranking out content. It sounds like you kind of mesh everything together from the beginning. Yeah. Which I think a lot of comics have had difficulty doing or they just didn't do it initially. You know, like when YouTube first came out, you were on it. TikTok, you were on it. It seems like comics will do stand-up for 10 years and then be like, oh shit, I gotta get into this TikTok game. Well, you have to, I think it, it the deeper and deeper you get, the more discouraging it is to start these things. Because like, I have a Twitch channel that does- Wow, yeah, bro, sorry, yeah. What's up? I yeah, know you're totally right. That, yeah. That's like when you're 50 years old, you can't use the apps on your phone. You have yeah. no idea how to use them. But you just have to. You just have to. You have to understand that you just have to eat it. Like the like my Twitch channel doesn't perform very well, but we're getting, we're growing a little bit, little bit, little bit. And I'm learning more from working with it. And like my YouTube channel, still my YouTube channel isn't hitting. My like TikTok, my Facebook, my Instagram, blowing up. I'm like very grateful for all of those. But then all these other little pieces that aren't coming together, it's like, if you want them to work, you have to learn them. You have to hammer them. You have to work at them. Like I was like, uh, I have a guy, another guy who I stream with. We're both comics. He's uh, from Toronto. And we, oh, like this year going in, I was like, I really want this Twitch channel and our gaming shit to fucking take off this year. And so I'm putting the work in. So I've booked out guests for, uh, we're doing a guest every week. I want to do a guest every week all year. And so we're booking out that way in advance. Maybe we do an extra week uh, or an extra ni a night of streaming. We also got um, a YouTube guy to come in and start managing the YouTube, editing the videos. He has like a taste for what that stuff can be. He's doing the thumbnails, the titling, all that stuff to get better hooks going. And the views are going up bit by bit. You have to, but the still like in comparison to all my other platforms, if you were to see that, some people would be like embarrassed by that. But you have to fucking eat it and just do it if you want these things to grow. Let's talk about the raw dog tour. <laughs> when uh, was this your first time touring like a big tour like this? Uh, so this is pretty similar to when I came to America and we did the American tour. Um, this is more shows, way more shows. How many shows? Um, I saw the flyer. Dude, great fucking promo, by the way. I saw yeah. that clip where you're, doing, you're just like, I'm going to go to every town that a milf wants to bang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, it was promo I had thought about prior um, and then we started booking these shows and I was like, a lot of this stuff lines up. And cause I was like, I get, cause I would post sometimes my, my, um, my DMS and they would always do well in terms of content. I was like, this is great content. 
And they, I always have fucking insane DMs from these chicks. So I was like, we got to kind of try and turn this into something. Uh, and then the two things linked up really well. It was great promo to get like the, all the things rolling for the tour. Um, but the American tour, I think, was like just as many dates. But it was like one show in each place. That was like a proof of concept for me moving to America. Like we like got that. We booked that tour. So I had proof of work so I could get my visa. So I could come to the States, do all these shows. Then we leveraged the sellouts of, those Amer- of that American tour into me having meetings with like three large talent agencies like UTA, WME, and then it was like PP something, PPC or PCC or something like that. And then they were like fighting over me to try and sign me, which was all my manager's work. She's a fucking genius. Uh, and now with the Raw Dog tour, it was like, okay, I've got to find something. Because when you're doing your promo, it's like having a narrative really helps people get behind it and inspired by it. How, and how do you mean? How do you mean? Having a narrative? Yeah. So like the narrative of this is like each city I'm going to, I'm banging some girl who sent me a message. Right. So there's a th- there's a theme. There's something about it. You watch Andrew Schultz is great at creating a narrative, man. Like he had a show at uh, Massey Hall. Massey Hall is like of... Not ancient, an ancient isn't the right word, an epic, amazing, like storied venue in in Toronto. Like Massey Hall's a gorgeous, gorgeous, legendary spot. Like fucking, I think, I want to say the Beatles played there or something, but it just a lot of legendary acts have played there. He was supposed to play there and they're like, we won't book you because of your act. And he was like, well, that's fucking stupid. So he booked Meridian Hall, which was a bigger venue. He's like, and he made all these videos about how he's like, they wouldn't book us because of the content. They're trying to censor. We booked this new venue, but it's bigger. So we were a little worried about selling it out. And he fucking sold tickets oh, so like, that's like mad. A, a call to action to buy tickets to a show but at a different place. It also, because of the message. It, it creates a narrative. It's like us versus them. Um, us versus these people that are trying to censor us, which it's all true. But that's like when you get people emotionally inspired behind something, then it helps move things even more. So I wanted to try be a little bit more creative with my marketing other than just like I'm going on the road. Um, And then do you also feel like Instagram would allow that to get to more people because they feel like it's not an ad? Because sometimes I feel like when we're doing the Ted Jones comedy show, the platforms will know that it's an ad and then they'll be like, all right, we're not sending this to many as people. If it's the platforms know it's an ad or if people know it's an ad and they stop watching. When when I'm watching, uh, like I've been watching stand-up clips and I'm kind of, caught up i'm like oh this is decent and then i see at the top sponsored and i go ugh, and i just scroll i don't i don't know why i don't want to see an ad but i'm just against that so i i think i don't know what it is i don't know if the platforms are actively against people promoting themselves or if people are are resistant to watching promo um it could be either or it could be both uh but i think that having the narrative helps sell things a lot more and it helps give you a theme in how you're promoting your your shows in the future like now i'm doing these posts where i'm posting uh like a a message i got from someone that's like i'll suck your dick till you go blind or whatever (laughs) and then you swipe over and it's the poster and it's being like raw dog tour these dates come to this place uh and it's been doing great everything except for miami (laughs) we're selling out like we're selling tickets like crazy and a big part of this is i really trying to inspire people to come to these live shows and i'm selling more tickets than i ever imagined i would ever sell in my life uh but it's because stand-up is what i do the best people come to the live shows and they're like wow there some people are like i've had people waiting in line and because I, I sell merch before the show because i like to meet everyone shake everyone's hands i want to get every i want everyone to have an opportunity if they want it to like talk to me for a minute take a picture before the show before the show why is that? I think, um, for one, you're going to sell more merch because no one's spent any money yet. 
So they haven't bought drinks and food and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to hawk a lot more stuff. Um, but also I like, like at the end of the show, there's a big lineup. People are tired. They want to go like they're, they're flipping the room, all this stuff. People don't get the opportunity to hang. I want the opportunity for everyone to get the chance to meet me. Say what, oh dude, I seen this video. I love that thing. Oh dude, I had, you did this for me. Some people are like, man, I was in a real dark place and your content really helped me. Whatever it is that they want to have that interaction for, I want them to have that. I want the whole thing to be an experience. And I think meeting the people before the show makes the show way better. Every show I do it, that it's like, sometimes there's this tension in the room where people are like waiting to see me each act there's like the tension is there then they see me like oh my god i don't want that i want them to be like if you walk into a venue and the guy you went to went to see is there and he shakes your hand and says what's up thank you for coming right away laughing the whole show you're so you're (laughs) walking in the room like ecstatic definitely like you know it's a good thought you know when sometimes you do a show and there's a weird energy in there and you don't know why there can be so many different things i like but think about if the person who was taking your tickets was like cold or rude. And that was the first interaction you had. And then maybe your server was as well or whatever it is. I'm not saying comedy clubs are doing this, but if that does happen, this person had a bad day. You don't have the first impression. I don't have the first impression. And then everyone in the room is going to have a little bit of tension. They're not as comfortable to talk or be loose or whatever it is. If I'm there to make sure that you're having a fucking good time right off the bat, we're having a good time that night. We're having a good time no matter the fuck what happens. When I see other comics, they'll have their own comedy show, but they won't host it. Yeah. I'm always kind of confused by that. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you have the Ted Jones comedy show, I'm the first face you see. I'm the freaking ecstatic. I'm the, if you're not having a good time at this particular moment, yes. don't worry. I'll warm you up. I'll get you there. Feel yes. free to heckle me, whatever. So I think you're right. The first impression of, of like whose show it is, yes. that's uh, you want to run the vibe that way. 100%, dude. 100%. And that sounds so weird, too, just hearing it off like first... Uh, as soon as it hit my ears, you were like, I meet the people before the show. You're like, what? Well, wouldn't that throw you off? But no, the vibe just gets better. Yeah, dude. I think there's this impression that you want, oh, this tension. Oh, it's he's a big star. But I don't want to feel like that. I don't want you guys to feel like I'm of this big, uh, like, oh, he's a big TikTok star. He sold out the room, blah, blah, blah. I want you to feel like I'm your buddy. I want you to feel like we're all hanging out because that's the vibe I have on stage. That's the vibe the jokes come across is that like I'm just, we're hanging out, we're fucking around, we're saying funny shit, it's a good time. That's the whole show and that's that's really important to me to portray that. But all, all this coming together, I want people to come out to these live shows because they're the best thing I'm doing. By far the best thing I do. I've been grinding stand-up for 10 years and I'm going to be grinding stand-up for another, what, 20, 30, 40 years, however fucking long I want to do this for. It's the thing I love the most. It's the thing I put the most work into. And when you come to the show, like, it fucking smashes, dude. It's, I, I haven't had a bad show. Do you see, like, comedy becoming more interesting to people or your act is crushing more or it's, like, a little bit a balance of both? I think the, like, comedy, um, what's it called? Netflix has changed the entire landscape of comedy. How do you mean? Well, it's just more mainstream now. It's like super like comedy was very niche before. Like there was a few standout like stars. It was just the Comedy Central stuff. It was just the Comedy Central stuff. You had people like Eddie Murphy and stuff who made it big, but people wouldn't go out just to go see comedy as frequently. It was way more niche. And that's why you have things like um, cancel culture censorship and these different things coming into comedy is because now it's 
it's reverberated into a piece of society that would never even hear your shit before because it's it's the same thing that happened with superheroes and video games like video games you had gamergate uh superheroes there was like a whole like um a feminist what was gamergate you don't know gamergate no tell us so gamergate was this big thing where um when the fuck was this this was like 2015 or 14 or something where basically there was a lot of outrage about how women were represented in games how women were treated in the games <laughs> like industry gta i'm yeah. sure that was like the number well just one like every point. chick if you're playing like a fighting game every chick has like fat tits and a fat <laughs> ass and like every like Fortnite, dude, yeah. like the skirts yeah, every yeah. chick is like super sexualized <laughs> yeah but mind you it's because the industry was all like dorky dudes like there was a comic who had a really good joke about it about how um you had all these uh, outcasts from society that were like the nerds and so they started drawing comic books and making video games and everyone's like you're nerds you fucking you don't get to like no girl will fuck them and they're just like doing their nerd shit and then their nerd shit gets so popular that everyone's looking at it now and the women go like you need to desexualize all this stuff and the nerds are like but we have nothing (laughs) that's uh that's garrett jameson garrett jameson has that joke i love that joke um but uh gamergate gamergate so like that that is what happens when a sub because gaming subculture superhero subculture um uh uh comedy subculture these are when the subculture grows to the point where it's going to reverberate into the mainstream the mainstream's now watching and now they're going to be commenting on it and now they're going to want to have their fingers in it that's what happens anytime a culture it reaches out to become pop culture become was there a special that you think turned it over that way a netflix special um, obviously you know hulu amazon everybody's putting out specials yeah i don't HBO know if Max. there was i don't i wouldn't say there was one particular special i think it was the entire platform like i think it was people like louis burr Chappelle, um like fucking uh who else like Matt chris scalco maybe Matt scalco chris rock's a big part yeah. of that as well uh hannibal burrs if i obviously hannibal turned and he's doing music now um but these people changed what comedy is and uh, the with the largest streaming platforming having stand-up as with the largest streaming platform having stand-up as one of their main forms of entertainment it changed how people perceive comedy how they consume it how their opinions on it and, and now people who don't even watch comedy are are having opinions on it would you want to put an hour special on a platform or would you want to take it to your brand and put it on a youtube i uh, think that's stuff that comics are kind of iffy about these days so my what to do my youtube is just very small and not high engagement if i could get my youtube to like uh somewhere like maybe 150k to 250k if i could get in that range i would put a youtube special out um, do you think that should be the baseline for all comics to think about it like that? I don't know. I, it depends on like, I feel based on my following, I think I could sell to a streamer. Like if I go to a streamer and I'm like, Hey, I have 8 million followers across my platforms. I have an hour ready to sell. I've been doing standup for 10 years. I think they would be interested. They at least would watch it. I think. But what do you think we're going to see more so over the next few years? I think it's going to be both. Like I think uh, there's always this um, like almost judgment day mentality to like waves of things where it's like rap came in and rap uh, slowly, 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 but surely then became the most popular form of music. That didn't mean. People aren't going to go see live rock and roll all the time. Motley Crue was just like the biggest selling touring band of like 2022. Like these things will exist in duality. Some comics will have great success putting out YouTube specials, but a lot of the people did have created great platforms and had a great YouTube following in order to manifest that. 
Um, but I, I think they will both exist right now. I still think putting out the Netflix special is the biggest thing that you can do, but it's also, there's a higher barrier to entry. Have you ever done comedy in the metaverse? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, do you I, see yourself performing on one stage in LA and then, you know, having 10 sold out shows all over the world just from you performing in that studio? Uh, is that something that we'll see? That would be great. Insane. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I, the thing about the metaverse right now, because I'm obviously big into gaming and everything, uh, it is, um, it's not where it needs to be. It's like early, early internet. I don't know if it'll get there. I'm more confident in AR versus VR. AR is like augmented reality versus virtual reality. What's the difference there? So AR is like, say, if you put an ARC of glasses, you can still see through, so you can see this world. But say we're playing like fucking Minecraft. We can have like a Minecraft world pop up around us and move the bricks around with our hands. But we can still see each other and see everything around us. But it can generate stuff. You remember with... um what's it called uh, Pokemon go how you could play Pokemon go and you could look through your phone and then see like a Pikachu. Yes. Yes. That is AR augmented reality, augmented reality where VR is like, you're completely consumed. VR is still a big buried entry. It's expensive. It's, um, you need like the Oculus, right? You need the Oculus. It's also, uh, it feels weird and vulnerable to be stuck in that world. Um, but it's not like some YouTubers spend 50 hours and it was like Ryan Trahan or something. I spend 50 hours in VR and yeah. he had like a whole set. He was like walking all over the place. Couldn't it's, figure it out. I just don't think it's, it's there yet. We'll see. Uh, uh, um, technology advances so quickly. Like I would love the idea that we can reach more people with our comedy where if I could do a show like in this living room yeah. and we can have people <laughs> watching in like Bangladesh, that yeah, would be dude. incredible. Um, but I don't know if it'll be there. And I always think, live will be better not just in a truth way where sometimes you go oh this is better like the book is better than the movie but people still don't go read the book i think people will always go out to live shows i think live is just like people like they want to get out of their house they want to go do stuff. visual things yeah too. and it's like they want to do something they want to say they did something they want to be like i don't know they just want experiences people and they want to spend money people love spending money so over the next year where do you see yourself progressing do you see yourself focusing on youtube your tour what do you see yourself focusing on uh the focus is always stand up stand up first that's what i've told every one of my reps when they when they before i've signed with them when i've worked with them i've always been like everything i do feeds back into the stand up i um open to taking like auditions and all this stuff i audition for little things here and there um but everything will be like how do we get more butts in seats that's what the whole focuses i just hired a new um editing team so i can focus on getting more stand-up clips out i'm going to be bringing on a youtube manager to manage my uh stand-up youtube and get that i don't even know if i'm going to be posting my tiktoks there anymore because they're not even performing well i might just change it to a purely all stand-up um uh platform and just only be posting stand-up on my youtube um but yeah, posting more stand-up, getting that out to there more, also like focusing on the Twitch, growing that. Those are like the two sort of things I'm moving simultaneously. A podcast is in discussion right now with a, with a platform uh, and another creator. Um, so we'll see if that goes through. Uh, but those are kind of the things on the horizon for 2023. And it's just like, keep this moving. Like I, my first weekend sold really poorly because it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I was like, oh man, I don't think I'm ready to do weekends. Where was so that? It was in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, and I was like, man, I guess I would just, I'm not a weekend comic. I'm like a one night guy and it's, that's okay. We'll get there. And then since then we've had like two sold out weekends. What's, uh, what's been your best moment in comedy thus far? Oh, best moment in comedy. Yeah. I sprung that one up on you. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that, but, but we want to know. 
Uh, I think it, it's like moving to New York. Moving to New York was bittersweet because I had this big, like, grandiose idea of what the city was supposed to be like, and you get here and it's kind of dirty and dangerous. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say it was fresh. Oh, well, no. <laughs> it is. You like it, I'm sure. Oh, I love it now. Yes. But it's like you move here, I'm not getting as many spots. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm like bottom, not bottom of the barrel, but I'm climbing my way up again. And it's like it, some of that is a little discouraging. And yeah, like your place is super expensive and the city's not as, uh, like, front facing as incredible as you, th- as it's. Uh, sold to be once you're here for a bit and you learn where to go in the nooks and crannies and stuff yeah. and how to navigate yeah it becomes it becomes what people say it is so you're here full-time now you're never leaving new york oh or yeah what? i realistically am going to be here for the next five to ten years if you want to be a great comedian then you have to commit to new york city um but yeah i guess moving here and then going on the road for the first time and having like sold out shows and having people come out like this is this is a stage of stand-up that i i never like i always thought i could be great at this but i never perceived it clearly like I never thought about what a sold out show would feel like or a sold out weekend or how much money you would make never ever thought about those things I still don't focus on money that's a very important part of like how I try to be creative like even when you were in the homeless shelter there wasn't a moment where you were like all right maybe I should get a a real job no um yeah no I would uh, like being more but I would rather fucking like hang myself or something like (laughs) the idea of like grinding a nine to five constantly I'm I think they and it seemed like you loved to scuba probably at the time. It was when you were like grinding. It was fun, but it was uh, it's a very taxing job, and I felt no fulfillment from it. Um, where this made me feel fulfilled and made me gave me purpose, and and I like I said, I felt like I could honestly be great at it. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I never yeah never thought about oh let's turn off and maybe have a backup plan or something. Because all you those can't, right, you can't. As we circle back to the beginning of the episode, you can't have a backup plan. You can't have a backup plan, and also all those things are were so mind-numbingly boring to me. They like, uh, they. I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but a lot of those videos were like, I have ADD. I'm like, oh, I think I have ADD. <laughs> uh-huh. but, I could tell. I could smell yeah. it on you. I got ADD too. But they're like, boredom <laughs> is pain, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. Being bored yeah, it gives me so much anxiety. I can't like. I just need to move and get out of this. I don't want to be like stale and so yeah there never was in my mind an option of of a backup plan i was like whatever if i get like 30 grand a year like touring and doing little shitty shows uh and i can just like make it by i'm like whatever that's fine your parents never gave you a hard time or like a girl you were with no uh i've only dated like a couple girls seriously and just like my repres my reps i tell them like oh stand up first i thought you were gonna say they were fighting over you oh no <laughs> that too bro that too um, that's great man putting that right out there to, for any yeah. woman to know because i honestly i can't tell you how many times i've heard guys or myself in general i'll be like all right well this can work this yeah. She's not really that supportive over this, but it could still work. There are other green flags in yeah. it, but I think you got to put your best foot forward and letting oh. girls know that oh, stand up is a hundred percent number one. Stand up is a hundred percent number one, and there's there's no it's a non negotiable. I've had I've definitely been with girls, and then I remember one girl saying, "It seems like you're just going to go out and do a show every night, no matter how late it is." And then, <laughs> yeah, like in my head, I'm like, "Oh well, this is yeah, done yeah. now. This Absolutely. is the, you have yeah. any favorite creators right now." 
Favorite creators? Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, dude. There's this one guy. Fuck, I should actually give him a shout out because he's a smaller creator. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him a shout out. Shit. And also, free the top G. I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> 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 I don't know how you feel about Andrew T. But, bro, poor guy. He looks terrible with that freaking hair. Did all you just see that there. he lost his appeal? Yes. For like the 10th fucking time. Yeah, no, no. He, he's fucking, I don't know what's going to happen with the top G, but it ain't God fucking freedom. Damn, I'll tell I you that. Too. And then I also love Aiden Ross. Just his interaction with him. And with the, the top G. Is the funny. Aiden Ross stuff and is now he's wild. Back, he's back on, he's on kick now he's on kick what's kick so it's uh twitch's apparently like enemy but it's like a youtube and rumble situation oh okay. so he's been saying wild shit on kick like yeah. a girl came on like probably 16 year old girl came on the stream the other day and he's like what's up one second bitch one second bitch and then he's like all right later whore and then like extra out of the chat dude like, what's going on but apparently he's getting paid 175 mil for two years oh jesus kick. wild Dude, well, the thing about Aiden is like he, I think he he sees feeding into this thing is so much money for him and so the much Tate thing, yeah. Because Aiden Ross, for me at least, I think for the general public, like twenty two years old by the way, this kid. Creator. And I'm, I'm not a big Twitch guy. Like I'm on the platform, but I don't know the stars. He was a pretty an, an unknown before Tate came on because he him and Tate were like streaming together. Well, he was still pretty known, but I think that brought him to a new level. That brought him to like we all know his name now. We didn't know. No one knew uh, Aiden Ross's name before him and Tate were streaming together. Like in terms of the the main public, mm-hmm. um, where now he's like, yeah, he's a household name. Everyone's talking about Aiden. Two Ross. years, one hundred seventy five million to stream is yeah, hilarious. That's dude. crazy. Like, that's probably how much money LeBron's pulling. In, you know? <laughs> like eighty five million. Or honestly, like that. honestly. Um, okay, I gotta give a shout out to this guy. Fucking uh, Fang Fang T Fang Fangito Fangito. I can't. I don't even know how you say that. It's Fangito. It's P H A N G I T O. So so this guy does like frame for frame breakdowns of Dragon Ball Z episodes <laughs> and like fight scenes and stuff. And he does such a good job because it'd be like, oh, this person, look how much they. Because when you're watching Dragon Ball Z, it's so fast, you barely like yeah. catch the the what's going on. But he has like brought so much more beauty to it than I had that I haven't seen before. Where he's like, look at how he dodges this way and punches him here, and like how he's like he's gonna counter, he's gonna do this move. And I was like, yo, this is like it made me have so much more respect for the people who create Dragon Ball Z and like how much detail there is in these little fight scenes. I actually. Uh, I watched episode one of Dragon Ball Z recently because I was like, I'm going to rewatch from episode one all the way through Dragon Ball Z. I'm going to watch Dragon Ball Super. I'm going to watch Dragon Ball GT. And I finished episode one. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing, dude? dude? It's going to take years. This is like a fucking, this is a journey. Are you you a big anime guy? (laughs) Not huge, but I'm a Dragon Ball Z. I love Dragon Ball Z. Avatar, last airbender? No, 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 no. Okay, I was going to say we had Aang, who's like the main character of uh, Airbender on the pod. Oh, really? that That was pretty huge for a lot of people who were watching. Dude, like I had him on the first time, hadn't watched the show. Yeah. The amount of shit I was getting from, I don't even know. Yeah. Kids who are eight years old, kids who are 38 years old. Yeah. What the fuck? Zach hasn't been on an interview for 15 years and he comes on this guy's pod who hasn't even watched it. <laughs> so I had him on like 50 episodes later and I watched every yeah, single episode. You're like, like I'm I'm caught, caught up now, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. Sick, dude. It was painful, but it was, good. It, was, it was good. Yeah. Okay, I'll give one good, more. Oh, there's got to be another career. Yeah, for sure, man. Right but now. I think uh, the younger generation is uh, definitely taking over the TikToks. You see guys from like ages 20 to 25, I think are... Probably the most followed on there, would you yes. say, right? 
Oh yeah, like yeah. that more younger group is uh, I, being followed on there. I think it's uh, it's definitely a younger person's app for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I think there's a pretty healthy balance of users versus uh, creators. Um, I think there's you're like if you're I don't know if you're in your late forties and up, you're probably you've had a full career and everything, and yeah. then you're way less likely you have like a family and you have shit going on. You're way less likely to take the time to become a, like a TikToker. Like most people aren't going to take the time to become a TikToker. Um, but if you like the people who are doing it at this level are, are like, well, this can like boost my career or my business or or this will be my main thing. Are you gonna? Are you worried that they're gonna delete it? Uh, if they do, I'll find another avenue. I've always found right. Well else. said, but like, what? I don't understand. Like, what? China's in our phone, regardless of that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It Political is it, bullshit. There's always like, I feel like there's uh, always smoke and mirrors that the, the if we're gonna get real on something, and there's always smoke. Like the like uh, they'll always oh shit they'll always do something that will distract you from like the real issue where it's like, like Epstein's list. And yeah. Shit. The Epstein's list, all that <laughs> stuff. If, if you even just want to go something way more blatant, like housing prices, uh, the job market, uh, food costs, like all these things are very like, there's still, uh, there's the, the chemical spill in Ohio. Fucking, wow. There's still places in Flint Wild. that don't have clean water. Like not everyone, what? like these, you don't even think there's so many things to freaking realize. Like they we're talking about like about it. baseline human needs aren't being met in a huge, way and we're giving all this money to ukraine bro and, and it's like okay oh but they might ban tiktok that's getting headlines it, when and then if you really try to start talking about like wage inequality and these kind of things that's when they come kill you um, <laughs> jay would never kill himself <laughs> yeah no that's it's like it's you know martin luther king when he got assassinated uh he was gonna go speak at a factory about the wage discrepancies between black and white workers when he's talking about like voting rights and stuff no one gives a shit but once you start talking about money, that's when they come, pow, pow, they come take you out. Um, so that's like, I, I don't know. This could be, it, it's, it's a hot topic for people to talk about, but they, there's real issues that are going on that don't even get touched. Yeah, and no matter what, CNN has like the push notifications set on my phone. I don't even know if I could turn it off. So whatever they say, when it pops up my phone, I'm like, all right, well, I guess this is the topic I'm thinking about for today. It's yeah. kind of like when we were younger, I'm around the same age as you. Our parents would watch the news. You know, we'd sit with them at 7 p.m. And that's what we were focused on for the rest of the week, what they yes. were watching. Yeah. Uh, so now it's just, it's so different because there's so many different stories that people could possibly have not have heard of that. Do yeah. you find that TikTok is also educational on that level? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of shit you can learn through the app. It's so bite-sized and so creative that I, I like, like the Dragon Ball Z thing. It's like watching his stuff made me appreciate Dragon Ball Z more. And I'm like, I think I'm going to go back and watch it. There's another creator who makes uh, videos about this game called Dead by Daylight. I started playing that game. So I think it gives you a, such a nice little taste that if you are curious, you can dig a little deeper into these things. And then totally, yeah. maybe that turns into you becoming a creator on the subject or just interested in it or whatever. But I, I think it is... Uh, I think it's great. I think it's a great algorithm. I think the way it works is 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 very interesting. Do you have a favorite comic? Favorite comic? That's a hard question. Yeah, dude. There are a lot of motherfuckers. Um, Stay in it. I've always, or maybe someone you've worked with. I, someone, I if that's I easier. My favorite. I, I've usually say this. You say Bill Burr. Um, I think Burr. Uh, what he was like, how everything he's done has been like stand up focus first. Uh, everything he's done outside of his stand-up, like when he was on Breaking Bad and Star Wars, his cartoon, they're all extensions of himself. 
and all all that he's self he's not acting kind of mean the well they're all the self we understand from his stand-up and everything is fed back into the stand-up it's like everything he's does it's like now more people are watching the stand-up and it's like his stuff is incredible man it, for him to be like so so late in his career there's um i'm sorry you feel that way and paper tiger those are those two specials like it wasn't his last one was red rocks i gotta rewatch red rocks actually but Paper Tiger's second last special, arguably his best. To be that late to like make, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way is so fucking good. And then um, and then to do Paper Tiger uh, two specials later and have that be like so fucking good. And that was like right after the, all the Chappelle, like Chappelle dropped his special, then he dropped his. And to be like, like I never forgot. It wasn't, it didn't just get run over by Chappelle. I'm like, this is fucking, it was incredible body of work. Um, yeah, I, I really, uh, think what he did with his career was great. It was always focused on just making something amazing, uh, and not getting distracted by like the money or the women or anything. He never turned off. He's been with the same lady forever. He's didn't be like, I'm going to become a big actor now. No, he's like, like writing stuff now and trying different things. And he stresses, stretches himself as much as he can, but he's still like, I am not a huge listener of his podcast, but he's like, I went to Wimbledon. I went to do this. I love sports. I'm going to experience all these sports things. He's still living his life and checking shit out uh, and making some of the best stand up that's ever been created in the process. What would you say to yourself, 20 years old, being in Mexico, somebody yeah. who's looking to do the same thing, looking to make this way onto the Ted Jones world couch. What would you say? <laughs> what, what, what would you say to that guy? Uh, oh, like, I what just, the shit do I do? I just like, just go do it. You'll figure the rest out. Like, uh, yeah, like that's a, honestly, that's a, like a Sarah Silverman thing where she said that, uh, someone came up to her and was like, I'm thinking about doing stand up, And she was like, you're never going to do it. Just do it. Stop thinking about doing it and doing it. People be like, I have so many jokes. Like, and it's look like, at all these jokes. Go do it. That's a, I've, I met a lot of people along this road to getting to where I'm at. And I'm like, and compared to a lot of my peers who I came up with in Toronto and a lot of my uh, peers, even here in New York, people are the same age as me. Like I'm doing very well. I'm selling tickets. I'm going on the road. I have a large social following. I'm very grateful for all the things that I've acquired and I definitely have seen other people who've done stuff similar or to the same extent or greater than I have. And the biggest defining factor is there are doers and then there are planners and there are people who be like, Oh, I'm studying this thing. I'm learning this thing. I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, before I start making TikToks, I want to, I'm going to like watch a bunch of these videos and get a bunch of this stuff. It's like, do them both at the same time learn and do because i think people could potentially take your message as you were saying before like oh well maybe i'll study the algorithm for a couple months then i'll put my video no, it's like i did them do the same thing i did the same time at the same time i did them side by side i asked i spent an afternoon at the office asking people and then that day i went and started making tiktoks and then i started watching videos about how to get better at the algorithm as i was making the tiktoks it was an hour a day doing one an hour a day doing the other it's just do it. You the doing process. You learn from so, so much. Learn, learn by doing. Oh, absolutely. There's that fucking uh, you know that book, Book of Five Rings. Fuck no, dude. I have all these books. You haven't mentioned one, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know about any of those books. <laughs> just like the fucking Tony Robbins book. No, the Book of Five Rings. You should read. It. It's a great book. Okay. It's uh, this old samurai fighter. Uh, Musashi is his name. Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, he's the greatest sword fighter who ever lived he won like 62 battles wow what year was that uh this is like the 1600s or something in japan uh obviously all these fights are to the death yeah i was gonna think winning a sword battle yeah they're to the death jesus and he would fight people who use like different types of weaponry <laughs> oh like you know that God. one that's like a fucking hook on a on a chain and shit he fought a guy who had who mastered no, that he he fucking 
killed all these people. And then he wrote a book about how the half the book is like, your defensive stance should be like this. <laughs> but the other half is how he's like, um, I learned the skill of strategy through all these things. And now that I understand the skill of strategy, I can learn all of their skills. So through doing stand up and through like grinding myself at that, when I take up all these other practices, like I'm, oh, now I'm going to create content. Now I'm going to create this. The, the process to learn stand up and to do it, I can apply that process to other things. That is essentially the essence of the book. Without fully thinking, just do it. Yeah. And you, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. And you just learn how to do it well. That's it. You, you'll know how to do it. Hey, this has been a great episode, man. I appreciate you for coming on the pod and not knowing much about me. But guys, as you're listening to this Thursday night, we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show tonight. Check the link in this YouTube video. And if you're in Miami and there are tickets left, so tomorrow's yeah. Friday night and then we got Saturday night. Yes. Wait, you're Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yes. And we check what? The link in your bio? Yes, absolutely. Okay, before we get out of here, Che, we're popping up your Instagram. So please let us know your Instagram and uh, follow this guy. Chaterain on Instagram, on TikTok. Oh, if you want to find me on Twitch, Little Dinky News on Twitch and YouTube. <laughs> little Dinky Nudes? N news, news, news. Uh, okay. <laughs> we love it. Che, dude, thanks so much again for Thank coming you. on. And you'll see this guy at the 420 Ted Jones Comedy Show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace.